Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. I love these things because these, these kinds of days, just like uh, two, two years ago, almost to the day, was actually when we commissioned Pastor Patrick and Pastor John and Megan and to go over to Mount Sterling and plant the church, and I think that's no coincidence, amen? And it's exciting because it shows that we are progressing, we're growing, and God is doing something. He's taking us to new places, and uh, I hope and pray that you want to go too, amen? I hope and pray that you know, this doesn't just become something, oh, this is just what they're doing now. You know, no, no, this is what we're doing. Amen? This is where we're going, where God is calling us. And God is calling this house to become a house full of families that are spiritual and physical, that succeed on both the spiritual front and the physical front. Amen? It's, it's all well and good if you can speak in tongues and you're gifted, but if you hate your wife or if she hates you, it doesn't do any good, does it? How do we perpetuate the gifts that God has given us into our children and our grandchildren if things aren't healthy in our marriages? Amen? What do we do? What do we do? So this ministry, I'm going to get to it at the end, but uh, some of the specific ideas we're going to start with. But in the meantime, I want to share a word with you this morning about covenant families. And I believe this is the direction that God is taking this house, our approach to family is that we are, yes, physical families, couples, kids, you know, parents, all that, grand, grandparents and grandkids. But we're also spiritual f- people, spiritual fathers and mothers, spiritual sons and daughters. And that this house is called to be a house where we raise up spiritual fathers and mothers, who raise up spiritual sons and daughters, who become spiritual fathers and mothers, who raise up spiritual sons and daughters. Do you get what I'm doing? Do you get it? It's something that is perpetual. It's something that God is ordaining. We've seen here today already that we have the capacity within us to do this. Pastor said, you know, he made the joke that he's known me since birth. Yes, he has, but I've known Jacob since birth. I was about 10 years old when he was born. And I remember going to the hospital to see them up at Central Baptist, I think it was, to, to see him. I don't know. I might get that wrong. I apologize. Oh, I got it? Yes. It's been a while. Was it 26 years? That's pretty good. All right. I remember that. What, what have we done? What, what are we doing? We're perpetuating. We're creating a heritage in our region. Amen? And it's not just Pastor Mike's heritage or Pastor Hall's heritage or mine or Jacob's. It's ours. Amen? God is birthing a spirit of family in this house because family is loyal. Family is present. Now, not everybody's had that experience, but real family is loyal. Real family is present. How do we know that? Because that's what God is. God is faithful. He's loyal. He's a present help in times of trouble. And he identifies himself to us as our father. So that means our goal, our ideal that we are trying to perpetuate as fathers and mothers, both in the physical and in the spiritual, is one of loyalty and faithfulness and presence. And that's what God's calling this house to. But he's going to do that through covenant. Now, covenant is not really a super modern word, but it's an old-timey word, and it means contract or agreement. And really, the Old Testament is the old covenant, and the New Testament is the new covenant. And it's the old agreement and the new agreement. 
And aren't you glad God improved upon the old agreement? Amen. Otherwise, there'd be a big altar and lots of blood everywhere, right up here. And we're not cool with snakes. We're not cool with that either. Amen. But uh, I'm glad God improved upon the covenant. But what I want to share with you today is I want to open up our minds as fathers and mothers, grandparents, as aunts and uncles, as legal guardians, because Lord knows in this culture today, sometimes you got people raising kids that they're not even really related to, and it happens. And, and God bless them for being able to take on that kind of a burden, amen? And, uh, and, and not, a, not that the kids are a burden, but there's work that comes with that responsibility, right? Whatever situation, whatever spot you're in, maybe your family's been a mess up until this day, but from today forward that the families of Church of the Living God may move ahead in covenant, that we may move forward in an agreement with God. We're not just making a covenant with each other, but with God. And in an agreement, in a covenant like that, it's two-sided. That means I have a part to play, but that means God has a part to play. Amen. And, and do you think God will ever underperform His side of the deal? Do you think that he will ever drop the ball when it comes to what he has promised or spoken? Absolutely not. His word is yes and amen. Amen. It does not come back to him void, but it accomplishes exactly what he sends it out to accomplish. And if he's going to speak anything in covenant, I want him to speak it to me. For my house and for this house. Amen. So I want to look at a familiar story in Scripture, but I want to look at it through a different lens. And uh, I hope it maybe changes our approach. I don't know if you've ever considered it this way before, but I had not, so I wanted to bring it to you as God had brought it to me. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we get into a familiar story that you've seen on felt boards and in VBS and in Sunday school, and that's the story of Noah. And uh, in verse 5 of chapter 6, it gives us really the condition of Noah's world at the time of his, uh, his time on the earth. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now really, you read verse 5, and you're like, is that it? <laughs> I mean, we live in a world like that. The wickedness of man is great in the earth, and the thoughts of his heart are only evil continually. But verse 6 is really the, 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 the telltale thing here. Because when it says that it repented God at his heart that he had made man on the earth, it's because man was living in a world that God did not intend them to live in. How many good folks, how many great people in our family are living in worlds they weren't intended to live in? How many people around us, how many of us have fallen into seasons or times where we look around and we're in a place we never thought we'd be? And God, from his vantage point in heaven, he looks down at the earth and he sees the exceeding wickedness of man. He sees, of course, there's other things. There were giants in the earth. The world was a wicked, chaotic, destructive place. He sees all of that and it grieves him because he says, Adam, I didn't make you for that. Man, I didn't make you for that, mankind. I didn't make you. Make this world to be this way for you and your kids and your, your generations. And the Lord said in verse 7, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. It was all corrupt. It was all destructive and chaotic. And it all needed to be started over with, except for one guy. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In such a world 
How could Noah be a standout? Well, you'd think it would be easy, but when you consider that much of that world was probably pretty similar to our world, what makes people stand out? That's a question we have to answer. Are we people that would stand out to the eyes of God? And it's also important for us to note that although God saw all the destruction and the chaos and the dysfunction, God was also looking for somebody to show grace to. So no matter what world the people around us are living in or what world you're living in, I promise you God is not just looking at the bad, but God is looking for somebody to show His grace to. He's looking for somebody who's going to come to Him that He can move for. We see the traits of Noah in verse 9 that got God's attention. It said, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Just means lawful. And perfect means complete, mature. He was a just man and a perfect man in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. When God started looking for someone to show grace to, he didn't have to look very far. Because that word with in the Hebrew means near. Near. And Noah walked near God. That's a different animal. Now we're talking about geography. We're talking about proximity. Not just mental assent. Not just some intent in your heart. Noah was choosing to walk near to God. Wherever he went, he made sure it was near God. Are you with me? He did not allow his environment to impact his relationship or his proximity to God. That's a rare thing. That's a rare thing. How often, let's be real, how often has your environment impacted your relationship with God? Let's say you're driving to work. Worship music's going. God's in the car. You got the chill bumps. You got the tears welling up. Anybody ever had that, right? God's in the place. You walk into work two minutes in. It's all wiped away. It's all wiped away. <laughs> it's all wiped away. Well, that's a little bit silly, it's true. The truth remains that it was very likely, very probable, and very evident that in Noah's world, most people, if there was anybody who had any knowledge of God, they were being more influenced by their environment and by their world than they were by God. But Noah made the difference. He, he chose. He said, I am not going to be influenced by the world around me, but I'm going to be near to God. And if it destroys me, I'm going to die near to God. Wherever I go, I'm going to be near to Him. I want to identify to you today some traits in covenant families, in particular in this covenant family, because this family of eight people survived a calamity that you and I will never experience because God said He'd never do it again. They survived a season and a situation that makes the worst of our situations pale in comparison. So whatever's in them, I want to know about it. And the first thing about covenant families is that covenant families are led by somebody who stays near to God. They're led by somebody who stays near. There's all kinds of opportunity to, to go everywhere else, to put your attention and your focus on retirement, on your career, on your education, on whatever, on your spouse, on your kids. There's all kinds. There's no shortage. But if we will lead the way in nearness, 
We're going to make a way for the covenant of God in our lives. And we're not just making that way for us, but we're making that way for our kids and our grandkids, our physical kids and grandkids, and our spiritual kids and grandkids. Don't lose track of that. Maybe you're an older believer. You've been serving God a long time. You've got all kinds of experience. But your kids are out of the house. They're doing their thing. It's time for you to start reproducing in the spirit. Look at all these seats. Look at all these empty spots where kids can sit. And I don't mean little ones. That 30-year-old person at your workplace or at the restaurant that you go to for lunch every day. There's all kinds of room. We got room for family in this house. Amen. But covenant families are led by people who stay near to God. Verse 9 in chapter 6 says, These are the generations of Noah, that he was just and lawful and perfect. In his generations, he walked near with God. Now, from verse, beyond verse uh, 13 through verse about 20, God gives Noah a lot of instructions, and he tells him a lot of things. But he stops in verse 18. He stops in verse 18 in the midst of the instruction, and he says something to Noah that affirms what I'm saying to you today. He says, but with thee will I establish my covenant. With thee will I establish my covenant. Now remember, in verse 9, Noah is walking near to God. In verse 18, God says, but with you. And it's the same Hebrew word, with. So in verse 9, Noah's near God. In verse 18, God says, because you're near me, my covenant's near you. Don't miss that. My covenant is near you, but with you, near you, will I establish my covenant, and you will come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. Look, God makes it plain. Noah, this covenant, it starts with you, but it doesn't end with you. It starts with you, but it's not just for you. There's room in the covenant, Noah. There's room in the covenant. And the covenant's big enough for your wife and your kids and their wives. It's big enough. God's got a big covenant for you, church. Individually, as families, he's got a big covenant for us as a whole family together. And there's room in that covenant. He says, because you're near to me, my covenant will be near to you. Can I just tell you that being near someone who is near to God makes you want to be near to God? Have you ever been near to somebody who is near with God? Listen, I lived that. I lived in the pastor's house. For many years, longer than I should have. He's fine with it, but I'll say that. Longer than I should have. And you know what I found? I found that when I saw somebody who stayed near to God, not just in him, but in her too. When I saw somebody who stayed near to God, I wanted to be near to God too. When I saw somebody, yeah, it's cool when he's moving in the gifts and he's in Jedi mode and he's reading people's mail and all that. That's awesome. That's great. But when he's praying with people and crying with people and helping people and delivering people and, and God's moving and, and when the word's coming forth and when things are stable and solid, all of that made me want this. Listen, most preacher's kids don't want this because church is rough. It's real hard on the preacher's family. Bear that in mind next time you get something in your backside, okay? Look at that. That was a good catch, wasn't it? It's rough. But God was good because somebody got near to him, got near to God, and they stayed near. And when I saw it, I wanted it. 
I wanted it, and here I am, almost 36 years old, and I still want it. And I find it hard sometimes to get it, but I still want it. Because being near someone who is near to God is contagious. It stirs you. It draws you in. When there's talk of destiny, you're like, okay, that sounds big, but I think I can take a piece of that. I love that part in this this ceremony today about you have no part in me. You, You have no destiny in me. Oh, there's plenty of room in the destiny that God has. There's all kinds of space for you and your kids and your grandkids. God's destiny is not so small or so flimsy that you can't fit in it. There's all kinds of room. Covenant-led families are led by somebody who stays near to God. Now, you might be the one leading the way, but you might not be the leader. You know what I'm saying? You might, be, you might not be the mom or the dad. But if you stay near to God, it's going to get in somebody. It's going to show them something. It's going to show them a truth and a reality that perhaps they had not considered. Being near someone who is near to God makes you want to be near to God. Covenant families are led by people who stay near. No matter what's going on, can we at least resolve within ourselves that we will stay near? We will for the sake of our families. If for no other reason, if he never heals you again, if he never drops money out of heaven again, will you stay near for their sake? Noah gets this news, this revelation that this covenant is so big that it can now encompass his whole family. And that's amazing. It started with him. we got to decide, are we going to be people that God can start with in the covenant? Can God start with me? Let's say that you came from the most dysfunctional, horrible situation ever. Or maybe you came from the most church, religious, Christian, waspy situation ever. Whatever it is, are you going to be the one that God starts with and does something new? Are you going to be the one that he makes the covenant with? Second thing about covenant families is that covenant families do everything that God said the way God said. Genesis uh, 6.22 says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Thus did Noah. Now what all did God tell him to do? Well, in those prior verses, he says, build an ark out of gopher wood. He says, you need to waterproof it. You need to make it about 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 37 and a half feet high. Now, this room right here, Pastor Mike brought this up to me between services. This room is 72 feet wide. So the ark is about three feet wider than this room. This room is also about 102, 100 even, 100 feet deep. So imagine a vessel as wide as this room, four times as long, four and a half times as long. And 37 and a half feet high. And I'd say that might be close to 37 feet high, actually. I don't know. It's pretty high. I've been up on the lift. It's pretty high. Yeah. It's real high on top of a ladder. He's been told to waterproof it. He's been told to put three stories, three levels into it, to put a door in the side, a window at the top. This is a huge thing. It's a huge thing. There's no way that Noah could have done it alone. And the verse tells us he did. Not alone, but that he set out to do it. He set out to do it. Thus did Noah all that the Lord had commanded him, so did he. And this verse implies that because the covenant was not just for Noah, the work was not just for Noah either. And he invites his sons in. And at least four people worked on it. I have a feeling probably all eight of the people, including the wives, 
worked on it as well. How bought in would you have to be if you were, if you were Noah's wife? Ladies, can we take a, a second and pause? Of all the cockamamie things that your husband has ever said to you, if he were to come home and say, listen, God told me, that's the first thing. God told me to build an ark. Well, what's an ark? Ark in the Hebrew means box, by the way. It doesn't mean boat. He wants you to build a box, okay? A 450 feet long box. 75 feet wide, 37 and a half feet tall, three stories, a door and a window. God told you to do that. Okay. Okay. But she bought in. She bought in. She knew her husband. That's right. That's right. Noah was such a man near God that when he said something like that, she didn't laugh him off. She didn't dismiss him. She didn't say, what did you eat last night? She said, whoa, God said this. Husbands, what if we were those kind of men? What if we were those kind of men? That when we came in and we said God told us to do this or to do that, that they were like, all right, let's do it. That's a miracle, isn't it? That's amazing. Covenant-led families, they're led by people who are near to God, but they do everything that God said the way God says. They do what God says. What about the daughters-in-law? The daughter, anybody an in-law? Most everybody in here is an in-law to somebody. Amen? What if your spouse, your spouse's dad, your father-in-law came in and said, hey, guys, family meeting, we've got to build a boat. We're going to save all mankind in the eight of us, and we're going to save all the animals, birds, creeping things, everything. Wh- what? Imagine what it must have taken. But Noah was such a man of God, such a man that was close to God, that these people were willing to buy in to something that had never been seen, never been done. No one had ever heard of something like this. We're talking about building a regional church that has churches all over this region filled with power, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with worship. We're talking about doing something where people don't split off every three years. And go take their people and do their own thing. That's what we're talking about. It's never been done where it's worked. I'm sure there's offshoots somewhere. But here, you mean that's going to come out of Winchester? I can't imagine that. Yeah, us either. But that's what God said. That's what he said. And we got somebody who's near enough that he heard it. And I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I'm bought in. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Amen? I'm all in. And I'll see it. And you'll see it. Or my kids will see it and your kids will see it. But somebody's going to see it. And it's going to come from somebody who started near. But we're going to do everything God said the way God said. We're going to do it all. Why? Because we are in covenant with Him. We have made an agreement with Him. My family, your family, hopefully, by the time this is done. All that God commanded to do, they did it. It took time to do what God had commanded to do. That's hard in our culture. We like instant stuff. I'm not, is anybody in here patient by nature? I didn't think so. Because you'd probably be in a cage somewhere being studied by, by scientists if you're patient by nature. I am not patient by nature. 
We want what God promises and we want it soon. But it took a hundred years to do what God said. If it took a hundred years, would you do what God told you to do? If it took us a hundred years to change this region, would you sign up now? Hey, we, we've got it easy. We don't live that long. We get to bow out at some point. Noah was 500 years old when he started having kids. He's a bit of an old maid, wasn't he? <laughs> 500 years old when he started having kids. It's the same year the word came about the flood. And Noah started building. And as his kids grew up, they joined in. And as they married off, they joined in. It took 100 years, 2 months, and 17 days to build the ark. 100 years, 2 months, and 17 days. Could you imagine being so bought into the covenant of God that you would invest a sixth of your life? Now listen, some of us, we've invested more than that. Amen? 30 years. I've been here 30 years too, by the way. 30 years. Half, more than half. Most of my life. But so bought in that we would do whatever it takes, however long it takes. And if people are born into it, they're going to raise up knowing that this is what we do. What did Noah's sons grow up knowing? They knew that we're ark builders. But why? God said. He said in the ceremony, he said he told us when we were kids that, God could ne- that he could never call us into ministry. And in fact, he told us that whatever we chose to do, that we should be pillars in the house of God as we do it. And I'm so grateful that God did call us into that. But then there were times where I wanted to do something a little different. Where I would say things like, well, so-and-so's parents, they don't care. They go to church, they don't care. And you know what he'd say? He'd say, what's your last name? And at the time, I didn't appreciate that, but it's actually a really good comeback. He'd say, what's your last name? I'd say, Hall. And he'd say, this branch of the halls don't do that. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. Church of the living God, this branch of the church don't do some things. But there's some things we do. Amen? We win the city. We impact the region. We plant churches. We build families, spiritual and physical. That's what we do. That's who we are. And if you don't like that, that's fine. You can go find somebody else. That's cool. I hate it. I don't want you to go anywhere. But that's what we are, and that's not changing. That's what we do, and that's not changing. And every church that comes out of this house is going to do what we do and be who we are. Amen? That's the truth. That's what's coming. Noah's sons grew up being boat builders in a world where they didn't need a boat. We're going to grow up being, we're going to raise people up being church builders in a world that's got 80 churches and a county of 30,000 people. There's all kinds of stuff. Why do we need another one? Because there's, there's some people that hasn't been reached yet. That's why. Covenant families are led by people who stay near to God. Covenant families do what God has said to do the way God has said to do it. Third thing, covenant families make room for more family. 2 Peter 2.5, this is Peter the apostle talking about Noah. He says, spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So not only was Noah building an ark for 100 years, 2 months, and 17 days, but for that span of time, Noah was preaching righteousness. 
because Noah had an experience with a God who was looking to give grace to people. And Noah, I believe, based on this passage, reasoned that if he could find grace, maybe someone else can find grace. Maybe there's enough grace for more people. And if this takes time, I've got room in the boat. I'm going to make some room for some people to get on my boat. That's what I think Noah was doing, a preacher of righteousness. It doesn't mean he was standing on the corner telling them they were going to hell. They're about to die in the flood, and they deserved it. It means that he had found grace in a righteous God. And he said, hey, come be like me, and maybe God can keep you too. Nobody bought that. Nobody got into it like his family did. But Noah kept preaching. Noah kept declaring. He's building a boat. Somebody comes by, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Why? There's no water anywhere. God told me to build a boat. I'm exaggerating. I'm sure it was much more articulate than that. Articulate. And every chance he got, he says, hey, man, I've got room on this boat. If you'll just start doing what I'm doing, if you'll, if you'll walk near God like I walk near God, then you can get on here too. You can get on here too. That's, that's it. That's the gospel, church. That's the gospel. There's room in the boat. There's room in the kingdom for more family. We can birth them, but we can adopt them. We can graft them in. We can bring them on board. There's room. I fully believe God would have let more people on. But they didn't want him and his ways. And they missed out. Now, when that rain started, they wanted him. But isn't that a principle of life? Things get tough, people come out of the woodwork looking for God. But even then, you know, the, the only reason they didn't let people on the boat was because God shut it. Okay, remember the story. They got all the animals on board. They got all the supplies and all the, the eight people. And it says, God shut the door of the ark. I, I believe they could not have opened it if they wanted to. But we have an opportunity through Jesus Christ. We have an open door. We have an open, The door's not shut yet, church. That door's not been closed by God yet. We have the opportunity to get people in the boat. Covenant families make room for more family. There's all kinds of room in this house. There's all kinds of room in your house. I don't mean moving them in unless God tells you to. If God tells you to, you better do it. I'm hoping he doesn't tell me that. I don't have enough room. But if God tells you, you better do it. What God says the way he says to do it, amen? Covenant families, they're led by someone near God. They do what God says the way he says to do it. They make room for more family. And lastly, covenant families endure unimaginable seasons. And multiply in spite of it. If anybody should have been kept from all that, shouldn't it have been Noah? The one guy in the whole wide world who was near God. The one guy who was so close that, he, that God could speak and he could hear it. Shouldn't he have been the guy who should have just been miraculously raptured up above the earth while all the water does its work and then just sat back down? Shouldn't he have been the guy? And isn't that how we feel sometimes? When we go into an adverse season where it's like, God, I've done all this for you. Why are we the ones having to deal with this? Because we live in a chaotic, destructive world. But the goodness of God gave the man of God a plan to endure, to keep his family through an unimaginable season. Listen, if you've been in an unimaginable season before, you know what they felt like. You don't know what it's like to go through what they went through. 
Could you imagine for a moment being on a boat? The smells. Anybody sensitive to smells? The smells. All the pregnant women are like, yeah. The smells, the, the animals, the noises. And then you get all the external things happening. The, the water, no doubt the beating on the side from the people and the screams for help. And then the feeling when the boat lifts off the ground because the water's gotten deep enough now to carry this small aircraft carrier full of people and animals and food. And then the waves tossing and the lightning flashing and the thunder clapping and all. Can you imagine, as best we can try, right, what that, was, what that must have been like for 40 days and nights it rained. For 150 days the water stayed on the earth. Now remember, this story is in the same book that tells you that Jesus loves you, so you have to believe it. Okay? Same guy wrote it. Same God. 150 days, six months nearly in open water. Then another six months before they ever came out of the boat. Then another two months before the earth dried out. Over a year of this experience. Unimaginable. The terror they must have felt. Am I saying things that resonate with you? You ever been in a season like that? The, ter- the fear. God, if this goes as sideways as it can go. Been there. Been there too long. Unimaginable seasons. But the covenant family, the family that has the agreement with God because they're near, because they're doing what he says, because they're willing to make room, that covenant family in the unimaginable season hangs on. Hangs on. Why? Because they're in a place that God put them to survive. Oh, there's times we don't want to hang on and survive. There's times we want to give up and go elsewhere and move on and start over. But for some reason, I can't. Because God's built something around this covenant between He and I. And I cannot escape it. And even though I want to escape it, what I fail to remember a lot of the time is that it's actually protecting me. It's actually protecting me. It was horrible on the ark, but it was way worse outside the ark. It was horrible in the season, but it was death on the outside. Amen. The goodness of God that wrapped his arms around a smelly, animal-filled box. The goodness of God that kept scared people from dying. And then they get out. The boat sets down. The earth dries up and they come out. And now there's multiplication. There's multiplication. Genesis 8.1, God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. God looked at Noah in the boat and he said, all right, it's time for that to end. God alone has that power. Trust me, I've been asking him for it. Amen? I've been asking him, God, end this thing. God, end this season. He's going to end the season. He's going to blow the wind. He's going to send it, and it's going to, it's going to assuage the waves and the waters. It's going to. It's going to. It has to, or he is not who he says he is. It has to. God remembered Noah, and in, in verse 18 of the chapter, Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, they all survived, and they get out. In chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And God blessed Noah 
and his sons. Remember, it started with Noah. If you stay near to me, my covenant's going to stay near to you. Do it my way. When I say to do it, make room for family. That's awesome. Now you've been through the unimaginable season, Noah. And now it says God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said unto Noah, no, he said unto them, they all heard it. Are you with me? They all heard it. God wasn't just talking to dad anymore. And dad wasn't just relaying what God said. Now they've been through it. They obeyed. They get to the other side and the voice of God rings in all their ears. They could hear him. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Verse 8 in the same chapter says, God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him. His sons were still with him when they came out the other side. And he said, Behold, I establish my covenant with you, all four of you, and with your seed after you. Listen, church, the unimaginable season is the gateway to multiplied blessing. The unimaginable season is the doorway for generational encounters with God. For generational promises. It's tough on you right now, but there's people that are not even born yet that are never, ever going to know the season that you've just known. All they're going to know is the blessing of God, and that blessing, that nearness is going to get them through their own seasons. And they're going to hear His voice. Because you started up a covenant with a covenant God. Verse 19 in chapter 9 says, These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Of them was the whole earth overspread. Everything God said was accomplished through them. It started with a good man who found grace in the eyes of God, who led his house near God, who did what God said as he said it, who made room for others, even if others didn't want to be on board. And when they got through the worst of it, the rest of their lives was a multiplied blessing. Are you with me? I'm not talking just about money, church. Multiplied money is great. But what about health? Right? What about sound mind? What about dreams again? What about fruition, seeing it, holding it in our hands? Multiplied blessing. They were told to go forth, be fruitful and multiply and replenish. And they did. They did it. It wasn't 40 years of waiting. The season changed. The wind blew. Everything changed for them, not just for him. Church, it's a prophetic word today. It's a prophetic word today. What God is saying over this house is that it might, this destiny might have started with one, but it will not end with one. Amen. It will multiply into families just as it's multiplied into generations. The boat is wide open. Get on board. It's wide open. The destiny is there. There's room for you and your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and their kids. There's room for all your hurt and all your pain. Yeah, but there's room to grow beyond it. Covenant families, a church full of people in covenant with God and with each other 
It will change the city. It will win it. It's going to change church culture in Winchester if we do it. Are we on board? Covenant families. I want to cut a covenant with God between this house and him. I want, a covenant, I want to cut a covenant with God between my house and him. I'm all in. I told you that. I'm all in. Listen, if I was looking for another job, I'd be gone by now. Right? No offense, but it's not about money. It's about cause. It's about purpose. It's about what God has called us to, the lane that God has put us in. And this is our lane. This is what we do. This is our last name. You with me? Oh, listen, I know, I know you've all come out of different stuff. I know you got different denominational backgrounds. you got all these experiences. But God is saying today, church of the living God, can we cut a new covenant? Can we as a family, as a family of families, can we cut a new agreement where God will uphold His, his end if we stay near and uphold our end? If we do what He said to do, as He said to do it, can this be a new day? Can we put a limit? Can we number the days of the unimaginable season today by making a covenant? I think we can. I think we can. You feel stirred this morning? This didn't come off that way at all in the 9 a.m. Do you feel stirred? You know why? It's because I wasn't empowered in the 9 a.m. That's why. This is what God has said. This is what he's saying about our future. This is, this is our future, not just mine. Not just my kids, not just Mike's kids. Yours. This is our future. Do we want this? Do you want to start a spiritual family in your old age? Oh, that sounds like work. Oh, it's the best kind of work. It's the best kind of work. It's hard. Pastor says all the time, ministry is the only pain you'll ever love. And it's true. He also says ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. And that's also true. Sheep bite. He says that one too. They make messes. But let's be in the ark together. Let's cut a covenant together. I want to pray to that end, if that's okay. Can we pray? And then I want to share kind of some specific directions. I know I went a little long. I apologize. But God's been in the place, and this is what he gave me, so you're stuck. I got the mic. Can we pray today, and can we just say, can we affirm to God? If you're on board with this idea, if you're in the boat, with this idea that, man, my family can come into a covenant with this family and him. And we can together start building something that maybe people haven't seen before. Maybe they haven't. Something that we've never experienced, what we're talking about. But God has a plan, and he has a direction, and there is room for you. Amen? We lift our hands this morning. If you're in agreement, lift your hands this morning. Father God, we just come as a a people, as a family, Lord God, a family, God. We make a covenant with each other to be loyal and to be present. But, God, we make a covenant with you today to be loyal, to be present, to be near to you, and to do what you say, God, when you say to do it and how you say to do it, no matter how long it takes. And, God, we come into covenant. I bring my house into covenant with this house in the name of Jesus, the better covenant, the better blood, I come into agreement in the name of Jesus that my cause aligns with this cause. That this is where my ark is. Amen.
God, that together we are going to do what you have said. We're going to make room for more family. We're going to invite new family in. And God, no matter what unimaginable season we go through, we will multiply in spite of it. In Jesus' mighty name. We will multiply in spite of it, God. We've had great gifted leaders before the unimaginable season. But God, we're going to come out with great gifted people on the other side. It's going to multiply. There's going to be wisdom. There's going to be gifts. There's going to be grace. Everything that we've seen, we're going to operate in. We're going to walk in because we've seen nearness. And we want nearness. I want it, God. I want it in Jesus' mighty name. I'm on board. Till the day you either call me home or move me somewhere else, I'm on board. Amen. Are we on board? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Tell you what, I appreciate it. You guys are, you're receiving it. I can see that. You're chewing on it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You receive that? Amen. God's mobilizing us, church. Mobilizing like an army. Army of family. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for speaking and punctuating this word. I want to. I just want to share some things that I want to do that we're going to be planning. I believe that God has put on my heart. God has really put a strong emphasis in my heart and Heather's heart for marriage in the church. We, we have done marriage ministry in the past in bundles and in sections, and Jim and Jeannie have always done a fantastic job doing ministry things toward marriage. And we, we want to make a renewed, focused effort toward marriage because, again, if you don't like each other, your family's not going to stay in church very long when you divorce. Amen? you got to be able to, to hang out. you got to be able to enjoy each other's company. You need to be able to navigate your finances. You need to, you know, all that stuff. We know. You've been married very long. You know what you got to deal with. But we want to make a renewed effort toward marriage. We want to facilitate marriage on the spiritual and on the practical. Amen. It's important that you pray together. It's important that you, and that's hard to do sometimes. It's important that you come to church together. That's awesome. It's important that you get a date night. I got real quiet. It's important that you get a date night. I've got three kids of varying ages, and I've not had a lot of date nights over the last 13 years. And listen, you got to get out and go eat together sometimes. By yourself. Go to a movie. You need a date night. So one of the things that we want to do is we want to sponsor a church-wide date night. A church-wide date night once a month on occasion. I'm not sure how soon we can get it going. We're, we're shooting for before the end of the year to start having these things. Where we have our trusted child care people who are teaching your kids right now, amen, who have been background checked and all that. We want them We'll have them come in and watch your kids for four hours while you go on a date. Your date might be go home and sleep. That's fine, too. Whatever works, sometimes you need that. Sometimes that's what your relationship needs. Amen? Maybe some older folks would want to come in and help and, and all that. And it might be a bunch of people. It might be just a few. But we want to facilitate intimacy and romance and relationship. We want a date night. The church can do that. Right? Typically people in church say, stay out of my wallet, stay out of my marriage, right? No, 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 no. We're family. We're family. We want to help you. You need to get together, go eat. 
Bring your kids to church, pay $10 for four hours of daycare. Ten That's a deal, right? I'll give you $10 right now to take them out to lunch. <laughs> and I'll buy the food. But imagine, right? Are we taking you or are we babysitting? No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Imagine, though, imagine a Friday night where we know that most of the couples in the church are out together, drawing closer to each other. Isn't that an awesome thought? It's a great thing. And so we want to we do that. We, of course, want to try to minister to single uh, parents. We want to try to minister to divorcees. And, you know, life happens, guys. Things happen before you come to Christ. Things happen after you come to Christ. It happens. We want to try to minister in these areas. We have a lot of couples that are involved in ministry in the church, whether it's children's ministry or worship or sound and media, whatever. There's, there's classes for marriage and ministry, and we want to bring those things to you. So we want to nurture the spiritual side. We want to nurture the physical as well, the, the uh, practical as well. And another thing we want to do in that vein is marriage mentorship. Marriage mentorship. You want me to finish or you want to go on first? One of the things I think is important for the church is what do we do when we're in the journey but it's not finished yet? And time is an enemy. Uh, because people get people get uh, discouraged because of time. How much time? You know things like that. What we know prophetically that we are to do between the time of this church being all of the prophesied church uh, is that we were to put spokes throughout the region. And so these churches, the church at Mount Sterling is the first spoke that came out of this house to, uh, to, to there, uh, Patrick Logger and then uh, John and Megan uh, are the pastors there. It's a great church. It's growing. They're running about 60 people, 65 people or so. They're doing good. Uh, but there's going to be more spokes, and there's going to be more opportunity you know, with that. Now, what we believe in the long run, that when these spokes are around the towns that surround Winchester, then more and more people will, will begin to see the brand, so to speak, of C-O-L-G. It's, it's Church of the Living God. Oh, that's that church that's been putting churches in these other towns you know, things like that. So we have a lot to do, and we know uh, what to do, and we all know that everything, you know, of course, God's got it. Money is always the issue. And so um, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think nothing's happening. It's not true. Uh, even now, we've got a growing uh, uh, college that people are getting real degrees and, and getting job raises and things, you know. And so things are happening, but they're gonna, what they're going to do, they're going to happen kind of slowly and slowly and slowly. Then we're going to hit a stride, 
we're going, there's going to be something come along and push us a little further, and then we may slow down a little bit again for the others. We know that one of our, our Stokes is going to be in Richmond, Kentucky. We'll, uh, there's going to be a Church of the Living God in Richmond, Kentucky. Uh, we've already, the pastor that has been moved upon by that has already spoken to me about that, and, and it's now it's a timing issue, okay? So there'll be another COLG uh, in Richmond. So that's, I want you to know things are happening and that things are moving. But these are big things. Even to open one more church, that's a big thing, you know. And so these, we're not dealing with dimes here, <laughs> okay? We're, we're dealing with, um, with, you know, it's going to cost some money. And, but what it's, we're going to reap. We're not going to reap money. We're going to reap souls. We're going to reap souls. Amen. And that's priceless. And so we need to know that. I need you to know that. I, know, I need you to think about that. If you have uh, questions about it, ask it. If you have suggestions, tell us. Uh, you know, I can't know everything about everything. <laughs> and so um, it's not going to be overnight. Now, somebody hits a $200 million lottery, we'll, uh, we'll put it on. <laughs> Yeah, even the tithe, we'll take that. We'll put it on the fast, on the fast mark. We may go to Richmond early, you know, all those things. But um, God, this is important. God is a God of timing. We cannot conceive the really the timing of God. Usually, when we know it, is after it's happened, you know, and so. Uh, that's that's important. We're not doing nothing. There are plans. There are things moving. And it's going to happen. I get a feeling it's not going to happen in the next 10 days, you know. But it's going to happen. And we may well, my generation may well be passed, uh, you know, uh, in maybe not the next, <laughs> the next church, but maybe the next. But it's going to happen, huh? Morbid. Well, that's it's life. I mean, it's just life. People live. Woo! Yeah, he's on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen. In the meantime, what we've got to do, what we are doing, is we're building a culture within the houses, the church, right? A culture with a focus on family. Because that's going to be essential to the success of a Richmond church or a Paris church. Or, hey, man, it's going to be. It's going to be essential. It's been essential to the, su the success of this church, and I'm excited to see where God takes us. It's going to be a new direction. Things are going to go at the right timing. We're not going to rush headlong into anything. But over the next year, you're going to see a lot of things happen toward parenting, uh, premarital counseling, marital counseling, fellowship between uh, men, fellowship between women. We want to really revitalize these ministries. So all these things are going to happen to benefit you, all right? That's what this is about. Because if we can build the house internally, it's going to grow. Amen? It's going to grow. You can't outgrow your skeleton. That's what we got to do. So I won't take any more of your time. If you would, please, let's stand this morning. Oh, man, watch this. Hey, bud. <laughs> 
banner? Yes. Please remember out in the foyer there's a banner for Grandparents Day. If you want to take a picture with your grandkids, the whole family, whole crew, go for it. All right? That's, that'd be awesome. Put them all over Facebook and tag the church in it. That'd be great, okay? Have you been blessed today? It's been a good day, amen? God's good. He's speaking. He's moving. And I'm glad to be a part of a church where God is God's guiding us, man. God's leading us, right? God, we bless this people in the name of Jesus. We ask you to keep them in their coming and going. We ask you, Lord, to rebuke the devourer for their sakes and to open up the windows of heaven and bless them. Lord, we ask you just to move with them and everywhere that they go in protection. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.